Brittany Murray here with a long overdue episode three of Wines and Spines. If you're listening, thank you for your patience. I honestly thought that I'd have more time to dedicate to reading and podcasting once I finish up my master's degree, but somehow the last two months have just been worse. But now I'm back with a new episode just barely in time for Pride Month. I wanted to do something to honor this month, but as a heterosexual cisgendered white female, I went to others for their expertise. Thanks to the power of the internet, I connected with Gwen Tolios, who is both an author and part of the LGBTQIA community, and she kindly agreed to be my special guest for this episode. Gwen recommended that I read Common Bonds, which is an anthology of short stories and poetry featuring aromantic characters. Not the typical book that I'd probably reach for, but I'm super glad she suggested it, and I'm excited to talk more about it. Before we get started, Gwen, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell, of course, the listeners, but also me, a little bit more about you? Sure, of course. Um, So my name is Gwen Tolios. I am originally a short story writer, but I'm starting to branch into novels now. Um, I live in Chicago, so it's a great city. I also have a cat who, she's just glaring at me right now. Um, She just she doesn't like a lot of people comforts you know like I, I always joke that I try to have to convince her to let me pet her which is still true even after five years um so um that's probably me in a nutshell I'd say you said that you started as a short story writer did that maybe also play into you recommending this book yes so that was one of the things that I liked um I always am looking for really good short stories um I feel like it is an art form and a form of storytelling that just a lot of people don't read. We all go to author novels and short stories are around, but they're usually in like these very specific magazines. Not everyone has subscriptions to them. They kind of made a comeback, I think, with podcasts because there'd be podcasts that would have a short story every episode. Right. So when I saw that anthologies are kind of coming back, it was like, oh, this is so good. Um, I'm also a little bit like more of a mood reader. So like, what, what do I want to read now? What do I not want to read now? Um, anthologies allow you to skip, which is really nice. There's like ready breaks, not a lot of cliffhangers. <laughs> so a whole bunch of stuff like that. That's really good. The other thing that I really liked about Common Bonds is that it is specifically arrow stories. I failed to mention in my intro, but I'm actually ace. So asexual, not arrow, but I'm always on the hunt for rep. And I run a book club where we've all only ever read Ace and Arrow stories, but it's been so hard to find Arrow stories. I feel a little sad for the people in my group who are Arrow because where's the rep? Um, and so Common Bonds, when that came out, everyone was just so excited about it. Um, it was a Kickstarter book and it's many people who are writing the stories have also written more novel length um, Arrow Ace stories as well. Um, but you had asked like good rap and Kamarans was one of the first things that popped into mind because we don't have arrow rep <laughs> very, very frequently, but also something that I think it, at this point in my life, because I feel like my understanding of good rep changes is the variety of it. 
I feel like if you have the one story over and over and over again, or the one type of concept or one type of character, then you start to move away from rap and you start to move into stereotypes. Right. But Common Bonds doesn't do that. And I think one of the reasons it doesn't do that is because it is an anthology. Um, So you have, what is it, like 20, 25 stories of this different experiences that people can just consume probably in a few days it's not like a short anthology something too um i think this is the first time in anything i've read that the they pronoun is used and i feel like that's such a small thing that any author in any genre could be doing um but yeah i was reading this and it just it occurred to me that i think it's the first time i've ever seen that in a book yeah so um when I first read it, that stuck out to me, um, how casually those pronouns are being used. Um, now, because I do tend to read a, a bit of queer literature, it just kind of sticks with me. But what I think was also interesting was here was, um, in Common Bonds, was the variety of pronouns. I don't know if you picked up on it, but like in the first story, Aromatic Lovers, um, there's two different types of pronouns. There is someone who uses they, them, but then there's also reference to someone whose pronouns are just E. I saw that and I had to look that up. No, that's fair. Um, it is, it's another set of pronouns of, they used to be called gender neutral pronouns. I don't know what they're currently called because I, I think that community just develops and I don't keep track of that as much, but that was in there. And I'm, the other one is the, the B story at the end. Um, I think someone used Z, right? Yes. Where their pronoun was was X-E. I remember one of these stories had a character that used that. So let's talk a little bit about the importance of this book. Um, There was a part in the prologue that I highlighted here because I thought it was important to bring up. It says, everyone who belongs to a marginalized group knows how difficult it can be to find parts of yourself in fiction. Yeah, so um, going back to what we talked about before about how rap is good for everyone, like you just casually seeing the use of they, them, I think is a, is a good thing to see, as well as any other pronouns that might show up, because I know there's that's not the only one. There's several other pairs that are less common, um, but you still come across. So with you um, being ace, obviously there's mention of that in this book. How important is it to have that representation in a work like this? Um, Highly important. Um, And I mentioned before that I have a book club. And so I can kind of mention why I even started it to begin with is um, when I first came out as ace, one of my big concerns was, would I be able to have a relationship straight up? And not only that, but how a relationship would work for me, because all of the media I'm surrounded with are maybe not necessarily straight, (laughs) because I do seek out queer stories, obviously, but they're all very romantic. They're about having, um, like, teen dramas are all about your first kisses. Like, the romance movies are all about coming together with someone. Um, Sex and relationships are something that's really important but all of the examples that I had around me had been about people who weren't like me. And I had a very high doubts that I would ever find that type of representation in real life because there's not a lot of ace people in the world. 
Um, not a lot of arrow people in the world. I think the understanding was about 1% of the population last time I looked it up, which is probably about the equivalent of redheads. And I do run into redheads, but um, especially when I first came out, I didn't, I didn't really know. So I had started the book club specifically with that understanding of, because I don't have real life examples and I don't have examples in like TV and movie, the only type of examples of what I want in life are probably going to be fiction. Um, so having that type of rep was super important to me because for a period, I thought it was the only rep I'd ever get in my life, real or fake, um, because we're just so marginalized, I would say. Um, it's not the case anymore. Like I started that book club because close to five years ago. Um, and since then I've like found an ACE community here in Chicago. I have found so many more ACE books. There's now, um, I would say ACE stories. I just watched a movie on Netflix, I don't know, a few nights ago that I would argue has an ACE protagonist. Um, so, which is great to see, like, I actually, like, it's kind of fascinating, like since I've identified, I'm seeing more and more rep but it's all still very, very important um, because you also want various types of reps. There's a spectrum, you know, in, in the, on the A spectrum and also on the arrow spectrum, which is the romantic side of things. Um, and having any type of rep to our community at this point, we just go gaga over it. <laughs> so. Well, I think too, as someone not in the community, but an ally, it helped me, I think, learn more through reading these stories and diving a bit more into, you know, you said about not having real life representation. I don't have real life, I guess, examples. So it was good, I think, to dive a bit into that and learn a bit more. Yeah, that's something that um, when my book club meets, sometimes we ask two different questions. One is, is this good rep for us? And is this good rep to share? Um, because that is one of the things that representation does is it doesn't just help us see ourselves in stories. It also shares our stories with other people who is going to be more sympathetic. Um, I remember reading, oh God, probably 10 years ago now, uh, a study about whether or not Harry Potter was able to teach kids empathy. Um, and specifically they had children's read, children read the, um, the scene where Draco insults Hermione by calling her mudblood. And then they asked these kids who had read it um, how likely they are to bully someone in the future. And they were less likely to bully someone than people who hadn't read the scene. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's been studied that reading builds this empathy because once you have an understanding of someone's stories and you can make connections between that stories and you and the characters, you're more likely to be more compassionate, more sympathetic to them. Um, I feel like that's not uncommon in like my corners of the internet where you hear once in a while, um, someone will give their parents a gay book and then suddenly they're like, oh, like this is not as scandalous as I thought. You know, this is like, they're just two people in love and yeah, that's the point. <laughs> so um, rep is just good for everyone, I would say. Yeah, and specifically with Common Bonds, focusing so much on platonic relationships and how valuable friendships are. I mean, that's something that literally anyone can relate to. I know there were several that I related to in that way. Right. And a lot of the connections in here aren't just like deep friendships. 
um, one of the stories that I also really like was, um, what was the title of it? The one where um, they go fishing. Oh, yeah. I loved that one. Um, I forget the name of that, though. So, yeah, I'm, I have the book in front of me. So I'm trying to, I thought it was, oh, Fishing Over the Bones of the Dragon. Yes. That one by Jeff Reynolds. I loved the descriptions of Fairyland in that, but I also loved how it really focused on the relationship between the guy and his dad. Um, and so that's one of the things that, you know, especially in the Arrow community, and in some cases also the Ace community, is having those strong platonic bonds or familiar bonds um, is what is essentially the goal for many people. Um, and having common bonds show all the different types of bonds. So you have, you know, like the the two um, the two adventurers who had the shop together. Like they're obviously in a platonic relationship. It's not sexual. And then again, you have the father and son fishing. Um, you had several werewolf stories where they were really just about found family and the whole pack so all of the different types of situations that people could feasibly want for themselves yeah you brought up the fishing one with his dad um and i think i said this to you in an email personally my favorite one was asteria 3 um the one where eleanor goes to space and they program the spaceship to to have her dad's personality and mannerisms uh, probably the reason that I connected to that so much um, is that in the story, her father has Alzheimer's and she's lost that close connection that she had to him. Um, similarly, like I've gone through that with Alzheimer's um, first with my grandmother and now going through it with my dad. No, oh, I'm sorry. Um, so I was crying through that story. Um, I always say that to when I know a book uh, where someone's writing is like really good and you know, really uh, connects with you because it elicits that kind of emotion. Um, that one certainly did with me. Yeah, many of these books or stories, sorry, um, elicited emotion with me because it was just like, oh, so, so intense. I really liked um, like Moon Sisters. So that was the first werewolf one about um, the where the youngest one had recently gotten dumped because her girlfriend just didn't like the rest of the pack, essentially. And I was like, oh, that one, that one hurt. But the the comfort that she gets from the rest of the of the pack is like really what, you know, brought me into that. Yeah, they were all talking about going for wings and everyone slowly dropped what they were doing to come be with her and comfort her. And I thought that was really moving. Right. The, the family ones really got to me. So it was that one. And then also the one at the very end, Busy Little Bees, about trying to find their other clones. Um, like that one, I've read other stories by Poland Blake, and that's probably my favorite one that I've read from them. Um, it's just absolutely stunning. Um, and then there was the, uh, I had a weird connection with Disography, which was actually a poem. Um, I didn't really like it the first time I read this book. When I reread it prior to this, I was just like, oh, that's just like, now I get it. But I think I might have also just learned how to read poetry in the meantime. So it's not necessarily my thing. Um, so that one I really liked. Like I also said, Fishing Over the Bones of the Dragon. Um, but most of these, I think, were just amazing. Um, uh, as I was rereading it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I remember this. I really like this. really like that. Um, and some of the ones I just liked for world building. So like the, the one of full deck where they're all like demon hunters, 
the idea of wearing being asexual or aromatic gives you an event uh, an advantage hunting certain types of demons i thought that was cool um so and then even in which one was the other one um cinder the idea that you can find a prince to rescue you on an app like tinder called cinder i just thought was so clever yeah and sort of taking the fairy tales that we're all familiar with and adopting parts of them like the part that was like rapunzel with the rescue from the tower by her hair um and then cinder you know being a pun on tinder but also cinderella i thought that was really clever yeah so um a lot of these stories i think were like that um they were yeah which again is like one of the reasons why i had recommended because most of uh, everything in here is just good reads i'm curious having read it before and revisiting it again ahead of our talk um anything that maybe hit different or things that you noticed this time and maybe didn't before so like i said that that one poem had hit me a little different discography um the other one that had hit me a little different actually was a full deck. I remember the first time through reading it being like, oh, it was okay, but not one of my favorites. Um, but upon the reread, I think I sunk into the um, sunk into the world building a little bit more. I was like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. Um, in the dialogue, I started to appreciate it more. Um, I feel like the second time I read things, because I'm also an author, I start to look at some of the craft elements and that might, you know, change my mind versus some of the story elements. Um, I will say also Space Girl of the Martian. So I remembered not really liking that one the first time through that I read this, which would have been shortly after it came out in like 2020. Um, and that was the one about the two power twins where one's a, a superhero and one's a supervillain. Um, and I remember originally not really liking it because it's essentially them just like wandering around the city drunk doing silly things. <laughs> um, but like in uh, in hindsight, like since then, um, I've like not that my sister and I have ever had fights, but now we're just like physically separated much more than we used to be. Um, and so I was like, okay, I can totally understand just wanting to like let bygones be bygones just to spend time with someone which I think is on the second read what I took out of that story versus where is the action it's superhero and supervillains um it's really just here's a moment of time where I could connect with someone and I don't know if I'm gonna have it again let me take advantage of it right and I also like too in that one um Supergirl questioning her friend in the bar uh, about what made them different and what sort of set them on their different paths um you know, questioning that whole nature versus nurture thing, which I thought was really interesting as well. Yes. And I remember, I think the first time I read that story, I was a little annoyed because I don't think she found an answer to that question within the tale. Um, I want, in like short stories, very different than novels. It's okay if things don't wrap up. Um, you don't have the time to wrap everything up that you're introducing. But that had felt like such an important part of it. But again, on the second read, I got the sense that she didn't figure it out and she was okay with that. And that's probably one of those questions that just haunt you forever. Um, some people have that where there's always this thing that crops into your mind and it's just a constant companion. And I got the sense that that's just going to be hers. Why am I like this? And why is my sister like that? And, you know, she's going to run into her sister frequently, probably several times a month. 
So it's going to always be there. Something that I was impressed with um, as someone who doesn't read a lot of short stories um, is how some of these are able to elicit emotion and make connections in so few pages. So I'm curious, um, you being someone who has written short stories, um, I'm, I'm curious as to your take on the challenges of doing that, but also the art in being able to do it. It is a huge challenge. Um, it is like I, um, now that I've also branched out into novels, I'm definitely like more aware of the differences between the two of them. And the thing with short stories is um, you have to be, very limited in what you say. Um, it's not uncommon, I think, in novels for you to get what's frequently referred to as purple prose. So like long descriptions of something um, or strings of internal monologue. You can't do that in a short story. You have to have every sentence do double duty. It has to not only describe your setting, but you know, move a story forward. It has to give you character details as well as give you a hint about the plot. Um, and so it requires much tighter writing. It also requires much tighter plotting. Um, there is always something going on outside of your story. Um, so you have to make sure that people are aware of that. Um, so like, uh, once again, in, in, in the fishing story, like, you know, the other story is what's happening to every other kid who's been taken into Fairland. What happened to his dad? But the author then narrowed in on just this one situation where the dad is trying to help his kid recover after coming back to the, to the real world. Um, so I think knowing where to start and finish your story is also a struggle in short story writing because there's, there's so many things in novels um, so many things you want to explore and the consequences of things, um, but you really can't do that <laughs> with short stories. Um, and I know writing it because I know things have to be so tight. Um, like when I have my stories go through critique cycles, people always have to have me like add information back in because I know that there's that economy of language that's happening and I try to be, um, use as little words as possible to get my story out. And then sometimes it's just like not enough. Um, people are like, I don't understand what's happening here. This needs explanations. And then so I add things back in. Um, whereas with my novels, I feel like I tend to have the the opposite or a different problem um, where I try to fill the space with all of this fluff. And then they're like, you have pacing problems because the action isn't developing. And I was like, well, that's because in short stories, the action is really around one or two things, usually not 10. Um, it gets a little harder to write and plot. Have you had some challenges in adapting your writing from short stories to novels? Yeah. So um, they've always been very different stories to start with. So what I'm writing in a short story is not going to what's end up in a novel. Um, so, and the big challenge is, like I said, is making sure that my pacing is right. Um, in a short story, how I usually write is here is my idea. Here's my concept. I just sit at the computer and I write, I'm a discovery writer. So I write until the story is done. Um, but I find that usually what ends up happening then is my stories end up anywhere between on average, like. 1500 words to 10,000, maybe 15,000. So very short stories. Um, 
novel is much bigger. And so what I find when I sit down to write a novel in order to hit that idea of a novel, which is at least 50,000 words, way longer, I keep adding things in. Um, and usually what I'm adding is extra dialogues to the characters, um, extra descriptions, like the bar that they're going to. Here's a random situation just for the sake of tension, but doesn't really build up the plot. Um, because I knew that I need more stuff in there and I can't think of more plot points because I'm used to only thinking of like, you know, a small amount and now to almost quadruple if I'm writing a 10,000 story versus a 50,000 novel, I need a lot more plot points. I need to all be integrated and I can't think that way. Um, so I tend to, like I said, put in fluff or what I need is I need um, a second POV. I would not do that in short stories, but in novels it helps because suddenly I have, even though the arcs might be very small for each character, because I have two characters, I can like flip back and forth and it makes the novel longer. Um, and even then my novels do tend to be on the shorter side. So I actually have one coming out soon, but it's 64,000, whereas most of the novels on my shelf and even like, I think a lot of YA novels nowadays are probably closer to like 80, 85. <laughs> so um like even common bonds like how many pages was this like 295 that's longer than what my novel will be so, oh wow <laughs> you know um but a lot of the stories in here too like I remember counting the pages I was like oh this is like a 20 page story most of my stories also aren't that long so I did want to give you a chance since your book just came out uh, I wanted to give you a chance to talk a bit about it thank you and I, now I feel a little well because you mentioned earlier that your father is going through dementia and that's what happens to my main character in my book so I oh okay so I'll cry through it then <laughs> <laughs> probably um so but it is a um it is something that I usually tote as a lesbian romance but it is actually between an arrow character and an ace character and the idea is Monica comes home to the states in order to repair her relationship with her dad, except it doesn't go very well. So she moves in with her old college best friend, Lisa, and then realizes that her old crush on Lisa didn't go away. And they convince Lisa's parents to get off of her back by entering into a fake relationship. So it's fake dating with two women who are on the A spectrum. Um, it takes place in Chicago because that's just, you know, the city of my heart. Um, but there is a whole lot of other things that happen. Like there is, um, like, like just to warn you, there is that whole subplot with realizing one of your parents is developing dementia. Um, and then there's also a subplot about workplace harassment. So I know those could be some touchy subjects for people. Um, I wrote this as a romance, but it is something that maybe would be, it's not like a comedy romance at all. There's definitely a bit of drama in it. Oh, sorry. I should probably give you the title of that. It is called Returning to You. Okay, cool. Ebook only at this point, but print should be along in a bit. What's that process been like of getting a book published? Um, so it depends on how you do it. Um, so I'm actually a hybrid publisher. So what I mean is I have self-published books and I have also worked with publishers to get my stuff published. Um, returning to you, I went through a publisher. So in that case, it's similar to the standard process that you might hear if you want to be um, like published with Penguin Random House. 
Um, instead of finding an agent though, I found an editor who worked directly at the publishing house. Um, so I worked with the editor, we did several rounds of the story and then the publisher also like had a cover artist and you know, I had conversations with her. Here's what I would like it to be like, here's this. Um, and then they do a lot of the, the handling of getting like the book built and all the pre-order links and some of the um, marketing images that I got, they all do that. Um, but the things that I have self-published and it's, it's a little different from, again, like novels and short stories, short stories is a different thing, but I did end up self-publishing my own anthology with stories that I had had published in other places. Um, and for me to do that, it was actually really easy. There's a few companies out there that you could just like upload your Word document and they'll format a book for you, whether it's an ebook or a print book. Um, and I just made my covers myself um, in like a graphic design program and off it went. The actual construction of the book doesn't take a long time. It is the writing and the editing and the revising and <laughs> doing all of that stuff. Um, like returning to you first draft to publication it was almost five years, um, but it was just working on the story, actually working with the publisher has been, um, when did they accept my manuscript in August, so about 10 months from getting that contract signed to the release, which is not bad for publishing some people take years. That sounds really interesting and I'm sure it's very excited to see this uh, come out. Yes. I am, I am super excited. Nine Star Press, the publisher I went with, also exclusively publishes queer stories. So I know that it's going into their community of people who are probably already going to be accepting of this. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Um, I don't think so. But thank you for having me on and chatting. Yes, thank you. So I know we were supposed to do this in the evening with wine and I had coffee instead. But I think it's all good. Oh, we'll have wine later. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's, that's true. We will have wine later. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and you too, Brittany. Thank you for having me on. Special thanks again to Gwen Tolios for joining me in this episode and also for recommending a book that I probably wouldn't have found otherwise. I definitely recommend this one whether you're part of the LGBTQIA community or like me are just an ally. We also talked via email about the book Last Night at the Telegraph Club which focuses more on lesbian romance and I'm definitely adding that one to my to read list as well. Um, I actually have a few books in the works, so no promises yet as to which book will be in episode four, but I do promise that it will come much sooner than this episode did. In the meantime, you can find Wines and Spines on Instagram at Wines and Spines Podcast, Twitter at Wines and Spines, or at the Wines and Spines Facebook page. You can also check out the website at winesandspinespodcast.com, and I have a Patreon page in the works to bring you exclusive content at patreon.com slash winesandspines. As always, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.